God bless you all. Thank you so much for being here. We're just at an exciting time, uh, for me, at least at the church. And, and just to see what God is doing through the, the places that we're studying here in the book of Acts and how it is taking fruit with us in the church, it's, it's almost, it's just incredible, really. Um, I certainly haven't planned any of it. It, it just, uh, seems to unfold, although I believe the staff does, uh, great things. We're just kind of going through, hopefully, what the Bible would teach us to do in the book of Acts. Where we are in this place in the scripture, we seem to be fulfilling as a church. And we're watching God do so many wonderful things. Um, let me just give you, for instance, um, this, this year, we're going to try to make this year as, as closely resembling the church as we see in the first century, the church that was begun by the apostles in, in Jerusalem. And, and, and you've watched with us, those of you that have been here, you've seen how through persecution the church flowed into other areas, into, into uh, Judea and then into Samaria. And now we, we saw last week where the, the church kind of went into Antioch, the Gentile nation, and, and how it's taking seed there. In fact, if you look in, in the scripture, if you look in, take a look at Acts chapter 11 with me for a moment. In Acts chapter 11, the word about what was taking place in, uh, in Antioch so overwhelmed the people there. The, the, I, mean, I mean, the people in Jerusalem that started the whole church, that started the movement of Christ on the day of Pentecost. It says... In, um, or where is it, like, in the, verse 22, we did this last week. The news about them, and about them meaning Antioch, reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Barnabas went for one reason, and one reason only. He went there to infiltrate that body of believers so as to move them towards the order that God had given to the apostles originally. You see, church was never meant to just be haphazard. There was always supposed to be order within the church. There was always supposed to be something that we were to do. I'll I'll prove it to you again. Look at chapter 1 of Acts and look at verse 2. Remember, when Jesus Christ had been on this earth and, and He went to a trial and they... They crucified him. He died on the cross. They buried him. Three days later, he rose from the dead. He appeared to all the disciples. And when he appeared to them, he appeared to them for a reason. And it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 2, until the day when he was taken up, talking of Jesus, after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. Now, he gave them orders for... A specific reason. He wanted them to, to conduct church. He wanted them to have church in such a fashion that it would be uh, alike. Whether you were in the church in Jerusalem or you were in Samaria or Judea or whether you were in Antioch, the church was to have a purpose. It was to do something. And so for us to meet weekly at church and not to do what our Lord has given us orders to do is to waste Time is to waste our Lord's precious time. It is the purpose for us as a body of believers to, to do something. Now, today, we're going to see what that is. 
we've already looked at it. But today we're going to see that. Now, I don't like to have any hidden agendas to you. I meant to study the last four verses in chapter 11, verses 20, 37, no, 27 to 30. And then I wanted to get into chapter 12 and talk about Peter going into prison and then the angel appearing before Peter and taking him out and all of that wonderful, wonderful event that took place. And I couldn't get out of chapter 11, verses 27 to 30. It just, I couldn't. I, I, there was so much in there that, that I had no idea that, that, that I really had to stay there and try to study it so as to pass it along to you. And so that you will not be caught off guard. For those of you that are visiting, we're going to be talking about two very specific things. And we won't get to the second one so much. But we'll be talking about the purpose of church. Why do we gather together? So that we... We look like, we emulate the church in the first century, that we, we become like them. We become people who are continually devoted to the things of God. That's the reason we gather together. The second thing we're going to be talking about, I ask your forgiveness if it's a problem, is finances, uh, giving. And so if you're here and you're visiting, yeah, yeah, I know it. Yeah, I knew he wanted my wallet. No, I don't. No, I don't. No, I don't. We just want to share with you what it teaches about what the church learned. Now, what we're doing here has been just amazing. Let me just give you, for instance, this past week we had the women's kickoff, uh, kickoff for Set in Stone. And I was told by my wife and a couple other people that it was a fabulous time. That, the, that it was just a great, great, yeah. It was just a great, great time. Last week we had our kickoff for our men's um, study on the book of Genesis. And in that study, we had over 80 men come for pizza and, and, and soft drinks and, and, and just a, uh, Pastor Fred gave an overview of what we're going to do out of the book of Genesis and it was phenomenal. And, and I was told that a, a, a large number of guys came for the very first time. And we thank you for that. On top of that, if you look into your bulletin, and by the way, look at your bulletin for a moment. Now this is You talk about a rabbit trail. This is major right here. I am on a major rabbit trail. But look at this. This thing could be publicized somewhere. This is really done nicely. And if you open it up, it's, it's like someone's listening to me, which always amazes me. It, it says in here, if you'll note, it says this, it's, it's not about how you've come to Christ but rather how we finish, and that's the very essence of who we are. That's what, what we, what we, what we want to be as a body of believers. But in the process, Pastor West has kept a relationship and his friendship with Hank Hanegraaff. Hank Hanegraaff is the Bible answer man on the radio. He's phenomenal. You, you can ask him anything you want. The, the guy has got a, a storage of knowledge in his mind that is unbelievable. And he's coming out here for uh, something to do with his radio program. He has now moved back to North Carolina. And if you'll note in your, in your bulletin, Hank Hanegraaff is going to be speaking at our men's breakfast on January the 24th. Guys, you just don't want to miss this. I mean, to, to hear Hank and to be able to sit there and have breakfast and, and have him answer some of your questions. Ladies, you ought to sneak in if you can. I, we ought to try to somehow, no, Fred just didn't, but we ought to try to find out somehow to get him here so he can speak to all of us. But, I mean, to think that Hank would come and speak at our church, he's just the, the dearest friend, and 
And he, he loves what we do as a church. He loves the fact that we teach the Bible line upon line, word upon word. He, 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 he understands that we've, we caught it. We, we've caught it. Above and beyond all of that, starting at this service, is our first meeting for the students' ministries, for junior high and high school. They have their own praise band. I'm, I'm amazed that you can't hear them. Uh, because I could hear them from my office. And I went back and they got there just rocking the place back there. What used to be our refreshment center uh, is now their meeting room until we can get everything built out. And now our refreshment center will be right across the hall if you want to uh, you know, get a donut or whatever it is that, that, that we have there. And so as you can see, things are really happening here. Uh, everything is, is centered around the Word and we're moving and then above and beyond anything and everything else. If you look in, in, your, in your bulletin, you'll see we have what is called Third Friday. Now this is going to be wonderful. The third Friday of every month, we're going to, um, to meet and have a dinner and have some fellowship and a study of the Word of God. The first two Fridays in the month of January and the month of February, Kay and myself are going to team teach um, uh, certain things about marriage. Although it's not a, a, if you're a single, please come. It's for all of us. But it's uh, principles on marriage and principles upon the, the very character of God. And so in your bulletin, there's information about that. Um, please sign up and come if you can. Third Friday, we'll meet here. we have a bite to eat. We'll have some, just hopefully some good laughs together and then a study of the Word of God. And so as you can see, I'm pretty excited about what God is, is doing at our church. And then to top it off, the music. I mean, uh, the, the song that Lauren and, and Janet sang, um, uh, Word of God speak, pour down like rain, let me rest in your holiness. And the words of that wonderful song, it was just... It just was beautiful. And, and so now to see Scotty and his parents here and to see Mickey and his beautiful wife here, and it's, it's too much. It's way too much. And so I thank you from the bottom of my heart for allowing us to have church so we can gather together. But the purpose we gather together for church, folks, we have a very specific purpose. We, we don't come here to fool around we come here with all of our hearts for a reason. Today, in the Word of God, I think you'll see why. Let me share with you. Let me go on a bigger rabbit trail. Many people think that there's just certain things that are required of us. There are, within the Word of God, some things that are mandatory. You just can't miss them. For instance... To come to know God, you must come through Jesus Christ. That's, there's no other way. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And you don't come to the Father except through me. It's the only way. It's mandatory that you and I have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. It is mandatory within the Word of God that once you come to Christ, you have been given a spiritual gift. That is, that is the truth from the Word of God. Each and every single one of us here that know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior have been given a spiritual gift. It is mandatory that that gift does not lay dormant within your being, but you are to use that gift 
for the glory of God. That's mandatory. It's mandatory that you and I are to grow in our faith. It's mandatory. It's not, it's not just that we are, become a believer and that's it. No, we have been called for a purpose. We live on this earth for a reason. There is a reason we equip ourselves here, grow in ourselves here in our, in our uh, understanding of the Lord so that we can go out into the society which we live and make an impact in that world. It is mandatory that you and I grow in our faith. That's why a church is so important, to do the things that we have been ordered to do by God. It is also mandatory that we give. It is mandatory that each and every one of us, as we're going to learn today, give a portion of whatever it is that we feel we can give cheerfully unto the Lord as a part of our worship. And so there are certain things that the Bible says that you and I are to do as believers. Now, all of that is in these four verses. It's incredible. Read with me, please. Starting with verse 25, just to remind ourselves what, what, what Barnabas did. And we'll read to verse 30 of Acts chapter 11. It says he, meaning Barnabas, he left for Tarsus to look for Saul. When he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. It came about that for an entire year, they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. The disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Now at this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and began to indicate by the Spirit that there would certainly be a great famine all over the world. And this took place in the reign of Claudius. And in the proportion that any of the disciples had means, each of them determined to send a contribution for the relief of the brethren living in Judea. And this they did, sending it in charge of Barnabas and Saul to the elders. Let's pray, please. Pray with me. Father, would you, would you please give us the most wonderful and greatest of privileges? As Lauren so beautifully saying, Word of God, speak to us. Word of God, pour down upon us like rain and let us rest, Father, in your holiness. Dear Father, we ask that you would do as the psalmist writes, that you would open up our eyes, that you would open up our hearts, our minds, our thoughts, so that we might behold wonderful things from your law. Give us that privilege this day, Father. Take the person that gives the message and move him out of the way. Move me aside, please, dear Father. Let us have the privilege of, of sensing that we have heard from you, not a speaker. Not something that I've conjured up in my mind, but rather, Father, just things that you have spoken to us out of your most glorious and most wonderful words. So that we, as a church, as a body of believers we might follow the orders that you gave to the apostles in whom they passed along to their generation and then their generation to the next and the next and the next until, until Father, we have the privilege of knowing what you gave and we may 
by the grace of an almighty God, pass it along to the next generation, the young people that come after us. Dear Father, please bless us, we pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen. What's happening in the book of Acts right now, the Gentiles are now being reached for the cause of Christ. As we saw in verse 22, so much of what is happening in Antioch reached the city of Jerusalem that the leaders in Jerusalem said, we've got to do something. What they had to do, folks, make no mistake about it, is they had to go to Antioch so that Antioch just didn't go off in this tangent on how to have church, but that they would follow after the orders that Jesus Christ gave to the apostles, gave to the church in Jerusalem, and that the church in Antioch would be a carbon copy of those churches there. So what did they do? They sent their best person that they had at that time. They sent Barnabas. And Barnabas, it says, was a, was a, was a wonderful man, full of the Holy Spirit. But Barnabas, if you know and study him at all, had some very specific gifts. One of his gifts was, was a part of his name. He was a son of encouragement. He was a person that would encourage. He'd fire up that church in Antioch. He was also a man that had the gift of giving. As we learned in, in Acts chapter 4, <clears throat> He gave of his property. He laid the finances of those property before the uh, apostles' feet so as to help those who, who had need there in the church in Jerusalem. But one of the things that I don't think that Barnabas necessarily had was the gift of teaching. And so when he looked at this church, when he walked into this church, say it was this place, and he looked around and said, Oh my gosh, this is too much for me. I can't handle all of this. And so what did he do in verse 25? He ran to Tarsus. And he looked for who? You know why? Saul was a son of a gun. Saul could teach, boy. He could teach the Word of God. And he could get into a person's heart. Saul had that gift. And so what says in verse 26, when he got to Tarsus, he looked and he found Saul. And it doesn't say that he asked him, can you come back? All we know is that Saul went back with him to Antioch. And there we learn in verse, is it 26? That, that, what, what verse is it that they taught for a year? Was it verse 20, 26? It says that they met with a considerable group, a considerable number of them. And they taught them for a year. Folks, what did they teach them? Clear and simple. They taught them the order of the church. They taught them what they had been taught by our Lord. Look back with me, please, at Acts chapter 4. Very, very important. No, excuse me, Acts chapter 2. I'm so sorry. Acts chapter 2. When the church began, when it started in its infancy, when Peter gave the message on the day of Pentecost, some 3,000 people came to believe in Jesus Christ. What do we do? What would they do? What would they do with that many people? Their orders were, look, look at Acts chapter 2, look at verse 41. Those who have received His word, His word meaning Peter's word, Peter who preached to them at Pentecost, they were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. What did they do? It says they were continually devoting themselves. Now, we've gone over this. For those of you that have been here, you've heard this many, many times by me. 
they, were, they went over four very specific things that a church is to do. They were continually devoted to the apostles' teachings. In other words, they were continually devoted to this, the Word of God, so that they understood what was written in here, what was it for them to do. They were continually devoted to fellowship with one another. That is, that is the very essence of a church, that we, that we have love for one another, that we, that we, we encourage one another, we have fellowship with each other, that we lift each other up. That's part of being the body of Christ. Jesus said, look, if you love me, if you really truly love me, people are going to know you're disciples of mine if you have love for one another. Third thing they were to be continually devoted to was to communion. Communion was the very essence of their, of their understanding of who Jesus is. Because if you understand anything about communion, communion is a time where we reflect upon is there anything in our life that needs to be changed or altered? Is there anything in our life that we've done that needs to be um, worked on, that needs to be confessed? Is there sin in our life? That's the reason we have communion. We remember what Jesus Christ did on the cross and we ask for the forgiveness of our sin. And then fourthly, they were to be continually devoted to praying for one another. It goes on to say in verse uh, 43, everyone then kept feeling a sense of awe. Many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. If you jump down to verse 47, it says they were, in other words, the church was praising God and they were having favor with all the people. In other words, the people outside that didn't come to the church were finding favor with these people. They were, they were, they were agreeing that there's something going on there that is magical. And that happened until the persecution hit. But they were having favor with the people. And look what happened. It says in verse 47, The Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Listen, folks, when the church and the people within the church is worshiping God correctly, as He has ordered us to do, by understanding and studying the Word of God, by having fellowship with each other, by, by having communion and, and, and praying for one another, when that happens, we should experience His presence within our midst. And when that happens, folks, there is a sense of awe that goes through the church. Not only through the church, but as it says in verse 47, even people outside of the church, in the community. So Barnabas and Saul are in the process of, you choose the word, either teaching or making or equipping or maturing disciples for Jesus Christ. And the reason they're doing that is so that the people within the church will catch the vision of going outside of the church and reaching the world with the good news of who Jesus Christ is. Let me share with you the very purpose, the very essence of church. Hold your place here. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians is to the right of, of the book of Acts. Just a few, uh, few books. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says, God has given the church certain gifts. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, He gave, namely He gave to the church, some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastor-teachers. Now, for what reason 
For what reason did God give the church apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists? Look at verse 12. Three reasons. One, so that we would equip the saints. Two, so that the saints would then work the service. In other words, use the gifts that they have been given so as to minister to one another. Three, they were equipped so that they might build up the body of Christ. That's the purpose you and I gather together. We gather together so as to equip one another. We gather together so as to serve one another. We gather together so as to build up the body of Christ. Until it says in verse 13, until there is a a process we're trying to do, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature person, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. That's the reason we gather together. So that you and I become mature. So that we become built up to the fullness of Christ within each and every one of us. And that doesn't come by osmosis. That doesn't come just because you and I grow older in years. That comes because we learn and study the Word of God. That's where maturity comes from. As a result, look at verse 14. Because of our becoming mature, we'll no longer be like children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness in deceitful scheming. In this world in which you and I live, there is there are so many people out there that are trying to disrupt the movement of Jesus Christ. I mean, you, you, you probably know that for a fact. You've probably seen it or heard it. There are people out there that are saying to you, you mean to say you think you guys are the only ones that know how to get to God? There are myriads of ways to God. There are many, many ways to know God. And there are people out there that are trying to disrupt your children or your grandchildren's lives by scheming and telling them that there are different and other ways to God when the Bible says there isn't. The Bible is clear. There is but one way. And so you and I are to grow up. We're to become mature so that we're not tossed here and there by every wave of doctrine that comes down the road. That we are not uh, uh, upset by the, the trickery of mankind and the, and the scheming of, 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 of mankind that are trying to take us and our kids away. But he says in verse 15, here's what you're to do. You're to speak the truth in love. You're to grow up in all all aspects unto Him who is the head, even Christ. That's what the church is all about. The church here, the Rock Community Church, is all about Jesus Christ. It's Him. It's, It's Him that we build everything about. He is our foundation. Pure and simple. It's all about Him. He is the one who is exalted in us. He is the one who we we deem as God most high. Here's why. In Him, verse 16, from whom the whole body is being fitted and held together. That's because of Jesus. The whole body is being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. Folks, that every joint supplies is you, 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 me, each of us individually. We supply something for the church. Every joint, every member supplies according to the proper working of what? Each 
individual part. That's each and every single one of us. God is holding us together. God is fitting us together. God is bringing us together so as that we would be fitted, working together, supplying, doing whatever God needs to be done on this church so as to equip one another. Which, note, the end of verse 16, which causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. You and I have been called to grow. You and I have been called to be mature in our faith. And each of us, once we grow, once we become the person of God that God's called us to become, we are then to encourage, we are then to equip, we are then to help grow the body of Christ. Your purpose, your purpose, yours, 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 and mine is to, and to encourage one another so that we grow in our faith. And each one of you are needed. And without all of us hitting on every cylinder, we're not the church that God has called us to be. And so if there's anything I'm trying to do today is to encourage those of you who are kind of um, lackadaisical, who are kind of letting the gift that God has so graciously given to you lay dormant and not doing what God has asked you to do, I'm trying to encourage you. A lot of people ask me, why do you get so excited over the message? And why do you get so doggone excited? You know, you're kind of like an old man here jumping around like a kid. What's wrong with you? And I'll tell you what it is. I get excited not because I need to be excited. I'm already committed to the Lord. I love Him. I'm excited by the hope of God Almighty that I will get you excited. I get all pumped up so as that maybe you would want to do more. I'll never forget when I came to Christ, I was in my 30s. I'd already... You know, lived quite a life. And I, I, I had two of the finest parents that anyone could ever, ever hope to have. But my folks never went to church. We never went to church. I can never remember, I can hardly remember that we went to church together as a family. But there was hardly a more, a more moral person than my father. And if my dad said he'd do something, you could take that to the bank. It was done. And when I came to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, the first people I wanted to talk to was my mother and my father. And I can remember it as if it were yesterday. I went to my our house in San Pedro, California. I went there up on 26th Street in Patton. I walked into the house and I sat down in the kitchen. And we always sat at the same places in the house. I'd sit here, dad would sit there, mom would sit there, and my sister would sit there. And with my mother and my father seated in that room, I started to tell them about Jesus Christ and how they could come to know and love him. And it realized, it didn't dawn on me till later on that I was really offending my parents. Basically, what I was saying to them is, you did a bad job of raising me. And you didn't really get me churched. I, I knew nothing about my eternal destiny. If I was going to go to hell and all of that, I didn't tell them all of this. But it, it dawned on me, that's kind of what I was saying to my dad. Dad, you did a bad job. And my father looked at me in the midst of me telling them that he had to come to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior and he said, son, he said, make, make me one promise. And I said, what's that? He said, promise me you won't get fanatical over all of this. And I looked at him and I said, dad, I, I think it's too late. I think, I think that it's, 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 it's just taken over my life. And what I realized there and then and now is, and what most people do that, that, that work in a church or that, that, that kind of function in a church is, there are some of you that will be more excited than others. And that's okay. That's really okay. But my purpose is, you know, I don't try to hold any agendas hidden to you guys. 
My purpose is to get excited so that hopefully you'll get excited. My purpose is to, to give you an opportunity to know and to love the Savior with all of your heart because you're going to be the one who will win if you do that. You'll be the one who gets the blessings. You'll be the one one day that will hear perhaps the most glorious words that you could ever, ever hear. And that is, well done, my good and faithful servant. I long for you and me to hear that. I love you with all my heart. I cannot tell you how much I love you. And my love for you is to push me, to drive me, so that maybe someday you would sense that 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 love of Christ and wanting to serve Him. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to be all excited about your faith. As we spoke last week, some of you will be more shy. That's fine. That's the way God made you. Don't try to change that. And some of you will be bold. That's great. Don't change that either. But God has made you just as He has made you so that you can reach the people that He wants you to reach for the cause of Christ. And so, here comes upon the scene, excuse me, kind of went off on another rabbit trail. Turn back to Acts chapter 11 and look at verses 27 and 8. A man comes down to Antioch who is a prophet of God from Jerusalem. It says in verse 27, Some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them was named Agabus. And he stood up and he began to indicate by the Spirit that there would be a a great famine all over the world. This took place in the reign of Claudius. This is true. It happened. But the term prophet, by the way, does not just refer to the Old Testament prophets. Now, the term prophet refers to the church leadership. Some of them, not all, some. Just like there were some as apostles, some as prophets. And so the prophecy that that Agabus gave, that that there was going to be a famine, that came to pass. But that's not noteworthy. What is noteworthy in all of this is the reaction of these new, born-again believers in Antioch. These Gentiles. All of a sudden... They hear this message and they have a concern for the people in Jerusalem. Look what it says in verse 29. It says, In the proportion that any of the disciples in Antioch, any of the disciples had means, each of them, note, each of them, that's an individual decision, each of them determined to send a contribution for the relief of the brethren living in Judea. They gave much like the church gave in Jerusalem. When the church came together in Jerusalem, it said that everybody had everything in common. Now, what we learned when we studied about the church in Jerusalem, when they gave, we learned, and I want you to hear this again, nobody was made to give. It was, it was only if they wanted to out of the goodness of their heart. You're giving unto the Lord doesn't make you more saved. Your serving the Lord won't make you more saved. Those things, though, that are mandatory will give you blessings far beyond anything that I could ever explain from this pulpit. It's something that you'll have to experience. And for those of you that have, you already know. There was nobody more tight-fisted with money than myself once I came to Christ. I, I was taught by my father beautifully. My dad hated preachers. He said the first thing they wanted was my money. So if my dad walked in here today, he would have probably left. There he is. 
going after my money. My own son. I ain't giving it to him. <laughs> I'm not here for your money. I'm here to try to make you realize the blessings once you serve the Lord. And who taught me to give was none other than my wife. My wife will give anything in our house that's not nailed down. And I used to go nail some things down. But she taught me. And she taught me this one truth. And that is that I and you and nobody can outgive God. You can't. You can't. And so they gave like the church did when they were in Jerusalem. And they send the contribution back to Jerusalem. Catch the irony of this. They sent it through Saul and Barnabas. Remember Saul? Saul was the one who wanted to destroy the church in Jerusalem. He wanted to kill the believers in Jerusalem. And here he is with a sack full of money saying, Here, we up in Antioch want to help you. Folks, that's true repentance. That's true Christianity. When you undo those things that you've done wrong in the past. The new believers, though, in Antioch gave generously. Now I want you to turn, and we're going to close with this. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I told you we'd be speaking on giving. I spoke whatever portion of the time was on the purpose of the church. I'm going to do two minutes on giving, which Fred's going to ball me out for. But no, no, he won't. The new believers in Antioch were motivated to give generously. Why? I'll tell you why. Because Barnabas and Saul taught them. I'll bet you anything, that's the, that's the lesson that Barnabas gave. How you cannot outgive God and how you ought to give unto the Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, the Bible says, Each one must do just as they have purposed in their heart. Let me stop there. You can read on if you want, but let me stop there. Look. The Bible is specific. When it talks about giving, it talks about each one individually. It doesn't talk about a collective. It talks about you. You. You, 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 me. It talks about each one must do as they've purposed in their own heart. It goes on to say, look, it says this, not grudgingly, in other words, don't, don't make anybody force you to give. God forbid that we would be as a church that try to force you to give. Not grudgingly, nor under compulsion. No one ought to make you feel that if you don't give, you're not a good person. That's not even close to true. I don't want you to hear that. Because it says, at the end of that verse, God loves a cheerful giver. And so if you've, if you've purposed in your heart to give a dollar, and to give a dollar and a nickel just ticks you off. Don't give that nickel. Give the dollar. Give what you can give with a cheerful heart. Not grudgingly. Not under compulsion. Because God loves a cheerful giver. The Bible says certain things. 
I will, I will, let me just remind you. I, I won't have you turn to it because I am kind of went on the rabbit trail a little bit long. Let me share with you out of what it says, what Matthew says. Matthew says this, don't store up for yourself treasures on this earth where moth and rust destroy or where thieves break in and steal. No, he says, rather store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust will not destroy, where thieves will not break in and steal. Because, Matthew says, where your heart is, no, where your treasure is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In your life as a believer, there are certain things that are mandatory. Walking with Christ, growing with Christ, using your gifts, equipping the body, helping us grow in our faith and you growing in your faith, giving unto the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Those are things that we are, we are called to do. It's, it's not an option. It's not something that you can just, eh, maybe I'll do it, maybe I won't. These are things that are mandatory, but they don't give you salvation. What they give you are blessings. What I long for you to have more than I can put into words. If I could, I'd, I'd rip open myself and say, here, please take this. Please take blessings. But the only one I can give blessings to is myself. When I grow in the Lord, when I serve the Lord... I get all the benefits. Lauren, when you sang that song today, I know you sang it unto the Lord. My wife really told me, you, did you hear Lauren sing last night, Saturday? And I said, no, I was busy in my office. She said, you've got to hear it. you got to. Who got the blessings? You did, didn't you? It's kind of neat serving the Lord that way, isn't it? That's what it is, folks. That's the way it is. I'm right on time almost. Three minutes late. Father, please, please, I beg of you, dear Father, would you um, not allow anyone to sense this message was trying to get into their pocketbooks? That's not true, Father, I'm not. Father, this message is pure. It, it is the purpose of a church, that we build each other up, we equip one another, we help us grow in our faith so that we become the person of God that you've called us to be, that we would be continually devoted to those things that you've ordered us to be devoted to. And Father, uh, let none of us hold dormant within our being the gifts that you have given to us, whether they be um, treasure, whether they be time, whether they be talent. Let us serve you, Father. Let us worship you with a pure heart. And Father, I thank you for this church. What a... What a blessing. Dear God, I, who would have ever thought it? Not me. You're kind beyond measure. Thank you for uh, this day. Thank you for everyone here. Bless us, Father, as we go. Bless our, our loved ones and our families. And um, thank you, Father, for these people. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I love you all more than I can tell you. Thank you so much for being here. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thanks.